Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 14, beginning at verse 1. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all the other guests, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Lord, as we gather this morning, we do so, O Lord, seeking your guidance, seeking your words for our life. As we listen, O Lord, let them echo deep into our soul so that we are transformed, transformed to leave this place not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. So, a few years ago, I used to play in a church softball league, and I played on the competitive team. Now, there's church softball, and then there's competitive church softball. And competitive church softball is a bunch of adult adolescents who seem to have it in their mind that if we play just hard enough and just well enough, somebody's going to see us, and we might get called up. Now, I'm not sure what we thought we were going to get called up to. I mean, there's not a professional church softball league out there. And let's be real clear. We're all well past our prime for minor league baseball, much less major league. But we had it in our mind. And to make matters more interesting, this team that I played on, we decided not to just to play in the church league. We played in sort of the combined league, which had sort of the, the competitive church teams and some of the industrial teams and all of that, some of the guys that would travel for the weekend to play tournaments. That wasn't us, but we were in that league. 
So we showed up to the ballpark one night looking to play a team called the Dirty Mo Acres team. Now, those of you who don't know this, Dirty Mo Acres is the name of Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s ranch. And we had a doubleheader scheduled with the Dirty Mo Acres team, also known as Dale Earnhardt Jr., and all of the guys at his shop. So we go out there, and we're you know, a little bit in awe at first, because, I mean, they've got, I mean, we had T-shirts with numbers on the back. They had jerseys with their names. Okay, we, you see the, the disparity here. But we get up there, and so I'm batting sixth in the order, and I get up to bat, and the guy tosses, I mean, it is a beautiful pitch. It is a tomato. It's coming right at me, and I rear back, and I take a swing. Here's the catch. This guy was so good that just before you would swing, the bottom could fall out of that pitch. So I've got the mighty Casey at the bat swing going, and I nicked the ball. Like, the bottom half of the bat hits the very top half of the ball, and it didn't go far. Like, it squib dribbled right out in front of the plate. And internally, I went, oh, that's a hit. And of course, I go taking off for first base. Fortunately, the guy behind the plate had bad knees. I beat the throw out, so I get a single off of this guy that threw the tomato that the bottom fell out of it. And the guys on my team are giving me grief about my massive hit. And I'm standing there on first, and the first baseman looks over at me and goes, well, you murdered that one. Make it worse. It's Dale Jr. He's talking smack to me. I mean, this is awesome, right? I'm looking like, one, I got on base. But two, I've got Dale Jr., Who's giving me grief? We finished the first game. We ended up winning it, barely. Second game comes around, and Dale Jr. takes himself out of the lineup. I mean, it's his team. And then we kind of noticed that his team is much like our team. We all sort of had rotating snack duty. And so when they opened the cooler, one of the guys goes, who brought the snacks? Apparently, they weren't the right snacks. And Dale fessed up it was him. And, of course, they gave him grief. But he took it in stride. After the game, when everyone was sort of milling about head of the car, people would come up realizing that there was Dale Jr. And could you take a picture with me? And, and he would smile and take the picture. As we're all walking across the parking lot headed to our cars, I realized that Dale is parked next to me. I mean, again, I've got an opportunity to trade paint with Dale Jr. if I don't hit my door right. Exactly. And so we're walking across and I just thought there was, I had this moment as we got close to our cars. It's just the two of us. And he'd been in a bit of a slump on the track, and yet he was carrying himself well, and you know, you knew he was frustrated, but he wasn't showing it. And so I just thought, well, maybe I would offer him a word of encouragement. And so I said, hey, Dale, you know, I, I watched you on the track on Sundays, and I gotta tell you, I know you're not having the year you wanted to have, but I'm really impressed with how you're handling the adversity. And he stops and he looks at me, and he says, thank you, sir, I really appreciate that. Now, Dale Jr. is four years younger than me, Thank you, sir. NASCAR's most popular driver and Glenside Street's most popular and only executive pastor, and he's calling me sir. I'm like, like I am somebody to be listened to. I am, by the way. Um, but he's telling me this, right? And I think to myself, that's exactly who he is. World's most popular driver. And he takes himself out of a ball game. He can take and give grief just as much as the rest of us. He'll stand around and take pictures if you ask him. Otherwise, he's just going to the car like the rest of us. 
He's got a real humble sense of himself and who he is and what he's to be about. In our story today, Jesus was invited to a banquet and given by one of the elite Pharisees, if you will. And so as he's walking in, everybody's watching him, the text records. And we all know that in Jesus's ministry, the whole world is watching. And usually the Pharisees are watching because they are trying to play the gotcha game. They're trying to catch Jesus doing something that's not son of God like or something that will break the law and they can call him out on it. But you know, what I love about this is while they're watching him, they forget that Jesus is always observing. Jesus is always observing life around him to see what's going on because he sees that there's always a teachable moment on how people should live or to treat each other. It kind of makes me wonder, like if Jesus were to be in our midst today and were to be observing how we live, what would Jesus point out to us? What would Jesus sort of call a time out in whatever was happening and say, by the way, and then he goes into a story. Because that's essentially what happens. Everybody's going into the banquet and he's watching what happens. And somewhere along the line, he just calls a time out. He's watched people jockey for their positions because everybody knows that the seat closest to the host is the most important seat. It is the seat of honor. If you get to sit close as a host, you are somebody. You have arrived. And so he's watching people sort of jockey for seats and try to size the crowd up and see if this is my seat or not. And so he calls time out and begins to teach through a parable. And the parable he teaches is one that teaches us lessons in humility, in motivation, and in generosity. And those are the lessons I kind of want us to take away with us today. As we come to the table, I want us to think about this idea of humility and motivation and generosity, not just in how we treat each other, but how we treat the world. This idea of humility, so humility is not thinking like you're lower than everyone else. It's about thinking less about yourself and more about others. Where you don't think of yourself too highly, as he says, and thus be embarrassed. I mean, imagine if you thought you were at the seat of honor and there was somebody more important than you and you had to get moved down or to the back of the line. Instead, what Jesus says is that we should think more of others than ourselves and to think of others more often and ourselves less, less important than the world. See, it manifests itself, this idea of humility, in different ways. In this church I was serving, we had Christmas Eve services, and you all know, I mean, Christmas Eve is like a marathon if you work in a church. It starts early in the morning on Christmas Eve, it ends early in the morning on Christmas Day. And so we had about five services going on, and there was about a two-hour break between the fourth and fifth service. So as you can imagine, thousands of people coming in and out of the sanctuary all Christmas Eve afternoon, it sort of showed a little wear and tear. There were bulletins left places. The carpet probably needed a little touch-up, vacuum. Things could be put away. We had to reset music stuff. And so what would normally happen for us is after that fourth service, we would do a little bit of a reset. We would sort of run the vacuum cleaner, pick up bulletins, sort of spruce the sanctuary up. It wasn't going to look perfect, but it was going to look warm and inviting. 
And our tradition as we had sort of come to experience it was that the senior minister, after having preached three or four of those services, would go down to their office, maybe pour themselves, uh, you know, a, a, a cup of coffee or uh, an ice cold glass of water and sort of take their shoes off and sort of close their eyes for a power nap. One of us was always on duty to make sure the power nap did not become into a long winter's nap, but that's a different story. But we're doing that. And so we got a new senior minister. And so that first Christmas Eve, she had preached all four of the services and we were getting ready to do the reset and she didn't go to her office. She said, what can I do to help? And we said, well, why don't you take a break and go get off your feet, you know, pour yourself a cup of tea or something like that. Well, maybe, what can I do to help? And so all of us gave the same answer and she kept moving to different ones of us. She finally got to our facilities manager who at the time was running the vacuum cleaner in the sanctuary. And she said, Joe, what can I do to help? And Joe said, I think we got this. Why don't you go get off your feet? I mean, you've preached four times. You got one more in you, we hope. Let's do that. And she said, ah, oh, I got this. And with that, she took the vacuum cleaner out of Joe's hands. Now, nobody in the history of the church has ever taken the vacuum cleaner out of the facilities manager's hand. That's a job no one wants. Joe was stunned, just stood there as our senior minister started running the vacuum cleaner. And she looked at Joe and she said, I got this, go work on whatever else needs to get done. Now, leadership books will call this servant leadership. I call this humility. Yes, she was a senior minister, yes. I mean, senior minister, she should be able to take the time off after preaching four services to rearm and restock for a fifth, but yet she wanted to be a part of that. She saw herself as a part of the team, as one of us, as not being any el more elevated than anyone else. See, that's the, the humility that Jesus is talking about. Where no matter what station in life we may really occupy, we begin to look around all of creation and we see all of God's children as equal to us, as no different than us. And that we should do our part to help lift them up and to help them succeed too, to where everyone is honored. That's what Jesus was talking about in this part of the parable. To not think of ourselves so highly that we would distance ourselves from others. But after talking about humility, Jesus admonished the people to think about their motives, the motives of how they acted and how they lived their lives. And God is thinking about this question, do we live and act and think of others in a way that really honors them or really doing it about ourselves. That was this idea of, do you, throw your, do you throw a banquet, invite all of your friends and your guests, do you do that because you wanna honor them or do you do that so that they will talk about you and your banquet and how awesome it was and then try to invite you to theirs? Do we act so that we get recognition and that we get aggrandizement or do we act because we honor people? And we want to lift them up and celebrate them for who they are. The same thing happens not only in this idea of hospitality, but in how we give. Do we give so that we get glory and people can stare at us? Or do we give in secret because we want to make a difference? Do we give in humility because we want to change the world around us? Or do we give because we want the world to acknowledge us? So the question I think of this day is not only how do we live and how we act and the humility that we carry ourselves, but how do we 
care for others? How do we act out of the interest of others expecting nothing in return? Do we do that? Do that in the way that we live, where we look out for others, we give to others, we treat others in ways that they could never repay us, not because we want the gold star, but because we genuinely care about them. Usually sometime in the prime part of the wedding season, which we're right in the middle of right now, there's always a story that pops up on the internet somewhere. It's usually a story about how there was this fabulous engagement, everybody was excited about the wedding, and usually somewhere around Monday or Tuesday, the week before the wedding, someone decides it needs to be called off. Usually the bride is left holding the bag, holding the, you know, all of the embarrassment, all of the issues around, and then they look around and they've got the reception paid for, all the food, everything is ordered, what shall we do? And usually these stories on the internet tell a story about where the bride or the groom, if it was in the, the table's return, decide that the party will still happen. But instead of just having all of our friends around and dwelling on the grief that's there, let's invite people in. Invite in the hungry, the poor, the less fortunate. We have all this fabulous food, it's gonna to go to waste. Let's invite them in and celebrate them and celebrate who they are and give something back to the community. See, Jesus speaks into this kind of giving in this sort of ethos of generosity. When he's speaking about this, he says, don't throw a party for just everyone around. He says, bring in those that are in need. How we're to act and to give, he says, is how we live. We do that to honor people, to show that we care, to show that they matter to us and to the world. So what Jesus is encouraging us to do in this parable is encouraging us to think about how we honor each other. How we show that they matter that we care about their plight. Think about that exchange with me for a minute. Think about how if you would give someone a gift that showed them they honored, that they mattered, that they cared. Think about the change it would make in their lives. Think about it would change their outlook on life itself and how they might even replicate that. And if they replicate that and it replicates and it replicates further, to brighten someone's day, to let them feel like they matter, begins to change the world and around us. That kind of generosity changes lives, doesn't it? And that was what Jesus wanted those at the wedding banquet to hear. Wanted them to hear stories and thoughts about humility, about the right motivation for living, and about generosity. But what's special about today, my friends, is this, that we too get to come to the table. You and I have been invited to a great banquet, to a glorious meal of the kingdom. The table that we come to is the Lord's table. Christ is the host. But this is the best part. You and I, you and I and the whole world, we are given the seat of honor at the table. We all sit in the most important seat and there's always room for someone else right there with us. There's always room for one more person. See, Christ is throwing this banquet for us and for the world knowing that we cannot repay it.
knowing that we could never, despite all of our best efforts, fully repay the gift that he has given to us. But Christ gives this to us, this banquet, this meal to us and the world because he loves you and me and the whole world. So as we come forward this morning, as we come forward and we receive the meal of the kingdom, as we sit at the great banquet table in the choicest of seats, let our hearts be changed so that we would go forth in the world, inviting others to join us, sharing that same love and grace with everyone that we meet so that they too will join us at God's table and reap the best rewards of God's love and God's kingdom. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.